Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, an album that burns its way into our collective memory. And today, we are going to be letting the love rain shower down upon us <laughs> to exclusively revisit the 2000 debut album, Who Is Jill Scott? Words and Sounds, Volume 1 by Jill Scott. Many of us were introduced to Jill Scott in the late 90s when the roots rolled her out on the strength of their and Scott's hit, You Got Me. Even if she was taken off the eventual commercial version of the single in favor of Erica Badu, Scott refused to stay behind the scenes. And come Y2K, we all got to bear witness to Scott in her full resplendent glory on her debut. We use the term vibe on here a lot, mm -hmm. and I'm always a little bit wary of using it as lazy shorthand, but how else to describe who is Jill Scott if not that it sets a vibe from jump and keeps you deep in it for the 73-minute runtime. Along the way, Jill takes us into her world and boudoir with songs about love and sex, romance and betrayal, and the high-fiber advantages of a collard greens diet. It's easy to forget all of the millennial anxiety that came with the year 2000, but Jill's velour voice spoke comfort and coziness, reminding us, baby, don't worry, you know that she got we. He had me tongue-tied. I could hear his rhythm in my thoughts. I was his sharp, his horn section, his boom and his bit, and he was my love. Blood rain down on me, on me, down on me. Who is Jill Scott was the album pick of our guest today, Yola. Her debut project, 2019's Walk Through Fire, released in February on the Easy Eye sound label, let the world know what I already knew because I'm super ahead of my time. That Yola's vocals are matchless, her pen game is compelling, and that music is all the better because she's here. The hybrid of rock, soul, and country, and Yola's sweeping flourishes kept us all captivated for the full 13 tracks, including a gorgeous cover of Yellow Brick Road. You can't plant me in your penthouse. I'm going back to my plow. Back to the in the woods. In the Not surprisingly, the Recording Academy heard and loved all they heard and nominated this album and this artist for four Grammys. Her latest Stand For Myself is due out July the 30th. I find her voice irresistible, and the lyrics on her title track transparent and so necessary. Is so necessary, and I'm honored to have her with us. Yola, welcome to Heat Rocks. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you with us. So, what was your introduction to Jill Scott and to this album in particular? Well, um, I was in a club, probably in the 
you know, around 2002, maybe, um, I had a friend tell me, like, this album is something that you're going to love. And I was like, clueless. And uh, I felt as though that I was connected to the neo-soul movement, but clearly I'd missed a trick. (laughs) And someone played me the song Long Walk. And that just changed just my idea of like what an album could do. Sometimes we all got to swim upstream. You ain't no saint, we all a sinner. But you put your good foot down to make your soul the winner. I respect that. Man, you're so fat. And you're all that. Plus free. It was that fiercely personal. Uh, but in that era, we come out of the 90s. And uh, there was a lot of this polarizing of the black woman experience and you were either like you know this angel like benedictine angel or you were like the full-on hussy (laughs) and there seemed to be like no middle ground for just anyone I'd ever met (laughs) and so I was like this is it just doesn't feel representative of just human beings. And so I had this record and it felt like a representation of human beings uh, that were black and are still currently black. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought that is in itself. Why is this revolutionary? Why? Oh, why is this a revolution? I have no understanding why. I'm at this moment listening to something that is reminding me of my own humanity. It's weird, but like, especially in the UK, where, as you can tell by my accent, I was born, there seemed to be this extreme erasure of any imagery of like a black woman experiencing just a romantic time of any description a tender moment of any description. And so this album spoke to me because it was just so relatable, you know. So many times you try to cut we You want to do it down, but you can't touch we We ain't invincible. Lord knows we are beautiful and blessed. For me, and I mentioned this in my intro, I first heard her on the original, I guess, live version of The Roots You Got Me. And this was, of course, as I mentioned before, MCA forced the group to replace her with Erica Badu. And now we rockin' shit like Tell Scott. She keeps telling me, telling me, yeah. If you worried about where I've been or who I saw or what club I went to with my homies, baby, don't worry, you know that you got me. But I don't think I really paid attention to her until this album dropped, which was very much a proper magnum opus from her. And considering that the neo-soul movement was already out of its infancy by at least a few years, I think it's all the more impressive to me that Scott was able to come out with this heat rock of a debut uh, and still make that sound feel vibrant because it could have easily gone the other way. And it's like, yeah, we've already heard D'Angelo. We've already heard Erica. We've already heard, you know, whoever else fill in the blank. And somehow this album didn't sound dated. It sounded fresh. 
um, even for a neo soul album. Yeah. How about you, Morgan? Well, I just want to add real quick that a really beautiful moment during the pandemic was at the start of Verses when they did a Jill Scott Erica Verses. And when the song came on, they were so complimentary to each other's sisters by saying, you really did that thing. Um, it was nothing but love uh, because heretofore all the, all the uh, talk around it is, was all the acrimony. But in that moment, which was so good for black women and so good mm-hmm. for advancing the cause of black women friendship, which is a real thing. And so I love that moment and that song. Um, so I just wanted to say that uh, my introduction to Jill Scott was through Giles Peterson, as I have come mm. to know a great many songs. It was Giles Peterson's worldwide program, which at the time was running at KCRW late at night. And I heard Slowly Surely, and I was just beside myself. I was driving and I had to pull over because I was super close to where I was going. And I didn't want to have to get out of the car. And I hope for every just mm. music fan um, that you have that moment where you, where a song will make you pull over and not want to get out of the car. And I was just like, good Lord, what is this? And then fast forward to uh, June 23rd, and I always remember that day, June 23rd, 2000, and Garth Trinidad um, had her on his show. And a bit of that conversation, um, of an earlier conversation they had, is at the beginning of Who is Jill Scott? Give a love, y'all. Give a love. Jill, Jill, Jill Scott. Love, love, love. I got it right about it. What's up, everybody? I'm glad to see you all here tonight. I'd like to get this love. I need it. Love, 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 love. I love to write poetry. I love to sing. I love to write poetry. What makes Who Is Jill Scott a heat rock for you? Well, I think uh, in my mind, I can cast my consciousness back to that era of my life and where I was. Um, I think it spoke to me through a solid decade at least. Mm. And Sometimes, not just in a, oh, this is a jam, or, oh, this is like a grand production, but it was relevant. (laughs) It was advice. It was like a go-to. It was necessary. It's a heat rock for me, because Mm -hmm. even though I might not be, like, wading in the mire of some of the issues, a decent number of the issues that on this record that dogged my life anymore, the the advice is still something that is timeless in that regard. Um, you, you'll, you'll still be like, oh no, I do need this love checklist. I do need <laughs> to be like, is it, but is it, but is it, you know, and like reinforcing, <laughs> it's like a reinforcing of all the stuff that you know that you've learned the hard way, you know. And so, yeah, it's hella relevant uh, to regular women across the globe constantly. Try, try, try. Now as a grown woman, I still stumble and fall. Morgan, I'm sure you have your 
own thoughts on the album as a heat rock in and of itself. But I'm just curious to ask, given what Yola was talking about and thinking of the album as this checklist, as kind of this uh, an advice column almost, right, of an LP. Was that your experience listening to this as well? Well, as I love to say on this show, confession is good for the soul. So I have to say for Jill Scott albums in general, um, for all of the albums, I'm either just getting in something or just getting out of something. So for me, it was a way to check my little relationship, you know, P's and Q's. Um, Jill Scott is the little sister uh, that you're cool with and the big sister that you didn't know you needed. She's got advice. Uh. Considering she was a 28-year-old woman when this came out, she was worldly. Yeah, she had yeah. vision. Um, she was trying to prevent you fr from some things uh, before therapy became popular. Uh, she was just your <laughs> homegirl, helping you process those emotions. And so I think the things that she said on this album, I mean, Listening back and prep for this chat, I was like, good Lord, this is wisdom. And this is wisdom that you usually earn much later in life. But to be a young woman imparting that sort of advice on us about relationship, um, love, criteria, sexuality, it is, is more profound uh, to me listening to it an hour before we taped than it even was in 2000 when it, when it came yes. out. Yes, 100%. <laughs> the, the profundity of it. Like, I can't believe how much more I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like the, I, I think I missed so many messages like in your youth you're like oh this is great and you lean into the sentimental yearning sides when you're younger and like even though you agree with the advice it's like you don't know how to apply it <laughs> right. you've got no idea <laughs> so yeah like that became like a really big kind of like when I was prepping as well listening to it again I was like Wow, uh, all of those bits, I'm like, that doesn't speak to me. This does now. So it's like this seesawing of this is how it is, this is how it should be. It's like, it's what it makes it like a cross-generational experience and sonically beautiful, which is another thing that I think for the singers um, yeah. really like, it was, the so it was the album all the singers practiced top to bottom to get their chops. And so then mm. it like artistically, it had like, it forced you to emote and it forced you to be technical and it forced you to engage. And you couldn't really deliver a Jill Scott song without emotionally engaging. And so I think it gave birth to a lot of singers. I remember being in West London and the broken beat scene in West London was rife with people who were influenced by Jill Scott. I was in a band called Bugs in the Attic at the time. And like, oh, yeah. They worked with so many singers, and we'd all be referencing Jill Scott. Just to go on a quick tangent, and Morgan, I know you had wanted to ask Yola about just the qualities of Jill Scott's voice. And I, Yola, I was just struck at the fact that you were saying how the people that you knew in that broken beat scene who were singing were all trying to take their cues from Jill Scott. So I'm really curious about what it is with that. And, and so, Morgan, you want to ask your question now? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, we love to have singers on the show. And one of the things that's so special to me as a non-singer, but just as a, as a lover of, of her voice, is the texture. Um, and that I think her range is so modest. You think that you know Jill Scott until she hits one of those notes and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where did this come from? The other thing I like about her voice is how she takes her time with words. And I think that comes from her as a poet. So I just wanted to ask you, what is it that's so special um, to you um, about Jill Scott's voice? 
Uh, for me, um, like I am so obsessed with the expressive. So, like her being a poet obviously leans into her natural proclivity for expression lyrically, but we might not like always think that a poetic inclination can lead to melodic expression, but it's a mindset. Once you are in this mindset, once you have the inclination to this mindset, the, uh, the concept of play is unending. Like the idea of time, the idea of tonality, um, everything is play or is range, is possibility and a way to take the concept of the art that you create and to put another layer of expression in there. It's not just that we're going to throw down the chops. We're not just going to turn every trill that exists, that we're going to really make a point of making sure that we do what we can to put heart into what we sing. And so she's feather light when it's really necessary to be feather light. And she's booming when it's really necessary to be booming. And like to miss that, to think that she's just having fun, there is play in there for sure. You can hear it, um, especially in like It's Love, that like there's a lot of play in there, but it's so important to be realizing that she's, like the way she's saying something is why you love that song. It is the words, it is the melody, but it's the, it's the how. The how is the art, the how is why you love it. So the thing that, uh, that I love about her voice is the, the emotionality of it, that ability to convey something, a feeling that you don't know if someone else has the capacity to convey that feeling in that way. When she's talking about something, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I felt that. <laughs> I don't know if I want to listen to exclusively with anyone in my family or I don't know. <laughs> you know? We- we're going to come back to that that skit definitely 100% no no question I, and i think i think i have the same feeling that you do maybe for the same reasons why but we'll definitely come back to that. 100% two things i wanted to add to that what you were saying about about you know singers in the uk you know be, being having this you know attachment this connection with jill scott i knew that was true when jill scott showed up on the four hero album with that i got i got to get up i was like wait a minute wait a minute jill scott and drum and bass that's so perfect that's peanut butter and jelly right but it was just so yeah. perfect to know that she was recognized um across across yeah. the pond swim the river climb the The other thing I wanted to say was to your point about the way that she says certain things. I think one of the best um, songs that illustrates this on this album is Honey Molasses. And she gets to a point in the song where she says, I think she says, we made music, we trombone. And the way that she Mm -hmm. sings trombone, 
you're just like, come on, Jill, don't kill us out here. It's just so it's <laughs> it's just so gorgeous and perfect. And so I think we uh I think we're speaking the same language in terms of how we see Jill's voice, how we hear Jill's voice. We made music. Morgan, we still haven't heard about why you find this album a heat rock. Well, I think it meets all the criteria uh, that we addressed at the beginning of the show. It's a fire, flammable, and it's an album that bumps continuously, <laughs> right? It's turning 21 years old uh, this year. Yeah. It sounds just as good to me now as it did back then. I mean, it's it's still mm-hmm. you can play from cover to cover. Um, it's groundbreaking. Uh, she, uh, mm. she was one of the very few poets uh, that I've been aware of to transition to recording artists and to do it successfully. Like, she wasn't just any poet. Like, she was killing on the poetry scene. I, I feel like Who Is Jill Scott is a, a very long spoken word piece, specific specifically mm. for black girls, set to melody and to that pretty voice of hers. And uh, just a reminder how nice she was on the poetry circuit, I just want you to hear um, a piece of this, Christian, if you could play. I had been turning tricks longer than I actually knew it being whatever they wanted me to be whenever they wanted me to be it. A freak! Inside, outside, kitchen counters, laundromats, two at a time, hotels, motels, and back seats of leased cars, vans, and jeeps. Made myself like it, because they liked it. And I liked that they liked it, so I continued being the perfect image of a wet dream. Who is Jill Scott? Jill Scott is nice with the lyrics. Uh, And also... Um, what was groundbreaking about this was that it so represented Philly. Philly's got great poets. I mean, three of the best in the game, her, uh, Ursula Rucker, and a poet named Lyrispect. Lyra yes. So she brought all that energy. She brought that North Philly. Um, and, and seminal albums bring their, their hoods with them, and she brought Philly. And then also, too, I think the whole album is a heat rock, but there are three scorchers that whenever she sings them live, every black girl I know across every generation sings them word for word. Long Walk, mm-hmm. The Way, yep. and Slowly Surely. Yep. As soon as she gets to Grits, mm-hmm. everybody sings Grits at, this, at, the, at the same time. <laughs> and that's, that's classic material that people remember mm. that part you know, of, of that. And also to interludes. Everybody that listens to this show, you know how I feel about interludes. And the Roots interlude yep, on yep. here is well-placed. It's thoughtful. It's a great way to introduce herself and tell you where she came from. It's a great way to big up the Roots. What's your name, girlfriend? Girlfriend, what's your name? My name is J-I-L-L-S-C-O-T-T. Jill Scott represent North A long way to say, this for me is a heat rock. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. It, you know, the, the spoken word part of it uh, keeps coming up here, and I'm going to talk about it in just a second. The first thing that I just want to say about how I, especially on revisiting this LP, which I had probably not done in about 20, 21 years, and I said this during the intro, it's just the vibe of it, and really you're you're just doused in that from jump with just the few the first few chords of do you remember mm.
See, now, our audience can't see this, but we are all just nodding. We're just head bopping along as that just melts in. And to me, that aspect of it is completely timeless. I think it's one of the great qualities of this album. And I think both of you have alluded to is that you could drop this in 2021 and it still sounds as fresh as it was when it came out in the year 2000. Now, on the flip side, and I'm just going to say this for me personally, right? I don't want this to be associated with anyone else here on this on this chat. I think the spoken word part of it in 2000 was probably the year that I kind of dipped my little pinky toe into the, the spoken word scene. I never got super deep into it, but to the extent I ever did, would have been around 2000, 2001. So this part of it was not timeless. This was very much, yeah, this is some early 2000s-ish. And this is, again, just me speaking. I personally am not sure if the spoken word stuff has aged all that well, though maybe I'm just picking on one specific line off of Love Rain. And slowly and, and sweetly and stinging my eyes and I could not see that he became my voodoo priest and I was his faithful concubine. Wide open, wide, loose like bowels after collard greens. The mistake was made. So I'm not sure that was the best simile that, you know, she could have whipped out there, you know, loose like bowels after, after, after collard greens. But that element of it, and obviously, as to your point, Morgan, she is drawing from the fact that Jill Scott entered into as a performing artist, she came to it through the poetry scene, uh, which is awesome. I mean, like one of my favorite contemporary artists, right? Jim Yamazawa, who we've talked about, he started off as a spoken word artist. So mm -hmm. it's not like I'm denigrating the act of it, but that the cadence of it, like the sound of it, because that just takes me instantly back to like 2000 and going to spoken word shows. Um, and so it's a time warp. I'm not going to say it's a bad time warp, but it's one that I'm a little bit ambivalent about because there's a lot of, there was a lot of great spoken word from that era and a lot of maybe less so for that reason. Yeah. It's just a reminder to me of that time and the feeling around oh, yeah. being at spoken word events and being in right. ciphers and the great things that you were, would hear, the great poets that came out of there. Saul right. Williams comes to mind. Absolutely. And so it just gives me a tingly feeling. You know, I live for nostalgia anyway. That's also another show. <laughs> but um, but I love what it conjures up in me. It, it, it I love what it reminds me of, I guess I'd say. Yeah. And I think as well, to a degree, um, although I can definitely speak on being in slam poetry events, knowing slam poets and being like, okay, this is going to be either glorious or awful. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that really awkward thing where I'm like, hey, hi, how did that feel? Without, instead of like saying, dude, no. Um, so <laughs> like, like it's easy. I, I think I had that experience with jazz as well. I was singing jazz for like five years. My first shows were jazz shows. And like, again, it had been so kind of, I'd had it be misused so much that I had moments where like I'd hear something and it would trigger this unwelcome feeling. And it's, and so, yeah, no, it's funny that you get that because I get that sentiment. But for me, um, the spoken word is a vehicle to speak on like people that you see in the neighborhood, people that you see next door, people that you see in your life that through the vehicle of song, you might not have space to speak on. Um, you might, and with the way that poetry works, you can get so much more in. And so I felt like I was being introduced to people to the diaspora across the pond and the service that did 
for a dark-skinned black girl growing up in a very, very white village outside of Bristol was that I had a touchstone. Mm. Um, I had something to connect to that was the tropes that you're presented with aren't universal. What I feel you just haven't heard So I think it's better to come back to something that Yola, you were mentioning earlier around the especially around how Jill Scott talks about love and, and I think in particular sexuality on this album and how it felt that it, it found a lane that wasn't really being explored by at least the, the kind of the dominant artists you know in that era uh, and this is where we come kind of come back to talking about exclusively and the sort of the awkwardness of listening to it with family as you were saying earlier so on our show we we recently talked about Lil Kim's hardcore and it was really interesting listening to Jill's album just a few weeks after uh, Morgan and I were talking about Little Kim's album, because both of these albums have explicit expressions of a black woman's sexuality, but coming from, I think, very different angles on it. And what really struck me about coming back to, to, to Jill's album, and really, on not just exclusively, but th- that song really stands out in this, in this way, is that what to me feels uncomfortable about it is not because it's either on this kind of hyper-pornographic fantasy level that we get with something like Little Kim. And on the flip side, nor is it the kind of album that shrouds talk about sex and so much metaphor that you're not even sure if they're actually talking about sex or not. Like, Jill is just putting it out there, right? She's being really earnest about it and straightforward. And somehow, that seems unusual. Like, just talking about the pleasure that she finds in sexuality seems refreshing which kind of tells us about how narrow the band, at least in you know circa 2000, how narrow the band was in terms of the ways in which sexuality, especially black women's sexuality, um, could be spoken about. Um, and so, yeah, for whatever reason, and again, I think that, I guess this is the same for you. I just found myself listening to exclusively and feeling very bashful about it. Like I'm being led into a conversation that maybe I really shouldn't be listening to, except that she's telling us this. So clearly she wants us to hear it. <laughs> He was licking and sucking on everything just the way he should. This morning's extra loving was good. We lay there sweaty, sex funky, happy as we want to be, loving exclusively. I'm getting a little bit flushed right now, so I would love to hear what each of you think about Scott's songwriting approach to Sex and Love. Oh, well, uh, all I have to say about that is... um, I think I have seen and heard um, and watched in movies things that are as explicit from white ladies and felt maybe less bashful. I think, I don't think that we are exposed to regular black lady sexuality. I don't think that we are exposed to ladies' sexuality at all, Mm. as much as we should be. And that is important, especially from a black woman, because to have just a straight up, nice, ordinary time, none of us are virgins here, I'm guessing. I don't mean to out you if you are, but (laughs) (laughs) but 
I'm assuming you've had nice sexual experiences with people before you were married, if you are indeed married. And like, they weren't all toxic. They weren't all you being the wildest hoe in the streets. And they weren't all you like making a hole in the cover and just going, oh, I'll lay back and think of England. Like we've had normal connections. <laughs> and so I think to be able to speak on them in a way that a guy does um, is is the kind of equality that we're looking for. And if we feel uncomfortable, we should explore that bias. I love her eloquence as it relates to sexuality that comes from her being a poet. She's so poetic with it that you get swept away. And it mm. is poetry and Blackness wrapped together. It had to yes. be. For you to name a song, Crown Royal, that's poetry and Blackness wrapped together. Everybody knows about that purple bag that's listening in. <laughs> I mean, I, I love um, the way that she speaks about what we know she's talking about. And it's so eloquent. But for me, she didn't have to be. I just love the agency and the freedom that this young Black woman claimed for herself, following in the footsteps of Lucille Bogan and Victoria Spivey and Millie Jackson and Janet Jackson mm -hmm. and Little Kim and Donna Summer and Megan Thee Stallion. For me, it's not the way that she sang it necessarily. It's that she decided to say it. And she decided to say it without a man over her shoulder telling her how she should do so. So I love yeah. uh, that this is a continuum of Black women's power with their own sexuality. And, um, and I celebrate her for that on this album. We will be back with more of our conversation with Yola about Jill Scott's Who is Jill Scott? After a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts. Keep it locked. Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 Hey, you like movies? What about coming up with movie ideas over the course of an hour? Because that's what we do every week on Story Break, a writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have an hour to come up with a pitch for a movie or TV show based off of totally zany prompts. Like that time we reimagined Star Wars based on our phone's autocomplete. Luke Skywalker is a family man and it's Star Wars, but it's a good idea. Okay, how about that time we broke the story of a bunch of Disney Channel original movies based solely on the title and the poster? Okay, Sarah Hyland is a 50-foot woman. Let's just go with it, guys. Okay. Or the time we finally cracked the Adobe Photoshop feature film. Stamp tool is your Woody, and then the autofill oh, is the new Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Join us as we have a good time imagining all the movies Hollywood is too cowardly to make. Story Break comes out every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I don't know why I'm using this voice now. And we're back on Heat Rocks. We're talking Who is Jill Scott with Yola. Jill Scott emerges with this album at, I guess you could either describe it 
as the end of the first wave of neo-solar. Maybe she helps to spearhead the second wave, but obviously she was compared or in the same uh, discussions as people like Erica, like India Ari, like D'Angelo, amongst many others. And so I'm curious in terms of where do you all think Jill fits within that pantheon or within that community of neo-soul artists? What makes her unique within it and what makes her similar perhaps to some of these other colleagues of hers? Well, I think she belongs to the illustrious second wave or the sophomore class of neo-soul soul mm. that was founded by artists like Joy, uh, the pendulum vibe. We want to talk, give her give her her shouts. Yeah. And she's illustrious. She belongs to an illustrious class because the class of 2000 was huge for neo-soul. This is D'Angelo's voodoo. This is Erica's mama's gun. Mm. This is Bilal's firstborn second. This is music soul child's I Just Want to Sing. And this is also Lucy Pearl's self-titled album. Yeah. Right. So it is a huge year where Jill, where Jill Scott start kicked us off. And so it is the second half of Neo Soul, which we know would taper off a little bit later. But we're a year before we get to NDRE's Acoustic Soul. It's huge. And so to me, she'd all, she'll always be considered one of the architects, just as important as the artists that we mentioned. She just came in the back half. They laid the foundation. Right. Brown sugar and all that Baduism laid the foundation. And then Jill Scott came in with these artists that I mentioned and just brought it home. Yeah, uh, I, I can only agree with that. Um, her significance across the pond was also felt. And I don't know how she was received in like a comparative sense in the U.S. on the ground. But in the U.K., we felt like this was a true second wave. Like we got hit with the... Uh, Brown Sugar and the cover of Cruising, the whole of Baduism, you name it, we were hit by. And like, I feel like as iconic as my life was to my life, <laughs> um, this was the next my life moment. And the way that it took through the UK allowed her to tour here. We, there's so many artists we didn't get here, but she was so beloved. She was able to come and tour here. And so I got to see her. And there's so many artists I didn't get to see. And I'm so grateful for that moment in time where I felt as though like that sense of feeling a little isolated felt a little less so. That really gave birth to something in the UK that was deeper, that needed to kind of be not just beats. We've been doing drum and bass and we've been doing minimalism through Massive Attack and things like that. We've been doing all of these, but like that kind of really like story, vocal led, jazz led aesthetic was something that was like, we were just discovering again. And then that's when all these amazing players come to the fore. And you go to the gigs, you go to Plastic People on Curtain Road in London. Co-op. And that's where, yeah, the co-op. You see all of these artists come through. You see all these people innovating. And that was like this hotbed for all of these badasses. You wound me, you caught me, you tease me. We have to get into the tracks because that's what we do on this show. So I have to ask you, what is your fire track off this album? What's the one for you? 
Okay, unpredictable. You already know. It's everyone's, you said it first. We, long walk. It's a long walk. It's always a long walk. It's always been a long walk. <laughs> You're here. I'm pleased. I really dig your company. Your style, your smile, your peace mentality. Lord, have mercy on me. I was blind, now I can see. There is so much like songs that pertain to you're the one forever. And that's great. We need those two. <laughs> but it takes the balls out of the whole idea of there's only one way to exist. The monolith of romance, as told by Hollywood, predominantly with white ladies and, and predominantly from a patriarchal lens. And you're not going to hear your story, not by anyone that looks like you, not in a way that's remotely normal, that reflects on ladies very well. And A Long Walk is, is beautiful. And mm. I don't think I dared to imagine like connections that were profound, that I didn't have to forego so much of my own person to attain. Uh, Oda, yes. you? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. You know, my honorable mention, and this came close, would have been It's Love. And I'll, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we get to favorite moments. But in terms of Fire Track, I still just come back to Do You Remember? Because it mm. opens the album as the first full song, and it just sets the tone for everything that you're about to get into. And I think it does such incredible work of just, like I said in the first half, just setting the vibe that you're about to enter. And that whole song, I could just sit within it forever and be just very, very happy with that. And I, so to me, that's the fire track. I was there, I remember when you got your first pair of sneaks. Morgan, how about you? No question for me is slowly, surely. Mm. No question for me. Uh, not only is it sonically delicious and just fire, but it's a whole mantra for self-care. Jill knew in 2000 what we needed. And I still say it to, to this day. Slowly, surely, I walk away from that old days in desperate love. Caught up in the maze of love. Thought it was love. Thought it was real. Thought it was, but it wasn't love. I know those words. I've said those to myself over and over again. How many times does a song come in, come with a built-in mantra? But this one did. So I love that. And I love what the song is built on. I can't listen to the, the song, Slowly Surely, nor the sample without getting emotional. And I want you guys to hear, hear it. It comes from a, a, a jazz album called Egyptology, and the, and the song is called Days Gone By. That piano, as he goes into it, Mo Kaufman, Days Gone By, and what they ended up doing with the samples just is so beautiful. But everything that she's saying on there, 
It's like I said, Jill knew, Jill Ben knew, and uh, and she let us know in the 2000s that we didn't have to settle for less. All right, favorite moments, and I will start. I have two. One is how the end of I think it be- I think it's better fades into He Loves Me. It's a sequencing mm. choice. just so smooth it ju- you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry you saw that i was like damn it she took my one uh, t- sorry speak on my bad it's yola. beautiful <laughs> it you just- literally burst out laughing <laughs> i was like okay it's right i've got another one it's fine you go live your best life <laughs> All right, all right. I think this the second is is her is her spoken word at the beginning of watching me. First thing when I wake up and right before I close my eyes at night, I think sense feel man like I'm under some kind of microscope. Satellites over my head, transmitters in my dollars, talking, watching. And what I love about that is it sounds like the arrangement of it sounds like her homegirls are behind her. So Jill is saying the words and her homegirls hit those background vocals like there's some sort of Greek chorus letting her know that she's saying all the right things. And I love that. And if I could be greedy, I've got a third. And that's the end of, is it the end of A Long Walk? It is the end of A Long Walk where the arrangement switches up and her vocals become stacks. It's where she gets into the maybes. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do this. And it's so short, but it starts at like 338, Christian. If you could just play it. I mean, there's just so much. It's like, we have, there are so many choices for us. Or then there could just be one. We could do all these things. We could be all these things, or we could just be this. And I love how she layers her vo- vocals to make that point that we got choices in this thing. This is aspirational. We could get all deep. We could read all these great works, or we could just sit and enjoy each other's company. Or we could take a long walk. That's what I'm looking for. Can someone take me on a long walk out here? I'm not really ready to be outside, <laughs> but I am ready for a good offer. Make me a good offer out here and we could take a long walk. So, yes, those are my favorites. Yola, I'm sorry I took yours off the table. Love me through it. No, because I was going to move to another one and then you went for that one too. It was, oh, maybe we can take a cruise or listen to the roots or maybe he's a batch of fruit or maybe cry to the blues. And I was like... Hello. And it's moderated. <laughs> yes. yes. It, it was like, it was like, okay, I was already doing a breathing pattern the first time around. So <laughs> earlier in the song, a favorite moment, I'm going like this. 
Or maybe we can see a movie, or maybe we can see a play on Saturday. Or maybe we can roll a tree and feel the breeze and listen to a symphony, or maybe chill and just be. Or maybe, maybe we can take a cruise and listen to the roots, or maybe eat some passion fruit, or maybe cry to the blues. Or maybe we could just be silent. And I'm like, breathing patterns, people. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a whole breathing pattern. If you ain't got no diaphragm, you ain't got no hope, go home, give up, pack your bag. You ain't welcome. Like, it's, this is like pure joy. And so it it spoke spoke to me in what it was doing in the song for that pure expression of joy. And since then and ever since, I've been obsessed with melody. And so, yeah, that was like, Another big moment. Um, I think as well, like, even though it's like petty as heck, <laughs> like getting in the way and yes. she's like, you know, I'm going to have to take my rings off. Get me some Vaseline. I was just like, OK, so she's all like the commitment level of <laughs> the commitment level of, oh, no, no, this isn't happening, not today. And it's her favorite for two reasons. One, because I remember feeling that whole, oh, no, you didn't, not today, not never. And I now also appreciate it because I'm like, oh, like if there's any chance of you taking him, please go ahead. I, <laughs> if someone's takeable, Take them now. I don't want, if I, if it's takeable, I don't want it. If it's thinking about it, I don't want it. But I get this whole album's life lessons for me. And so. I've been a lady up till now. Don't know how much more I can take. Queen shouldn't swing if you know what I mean. But I'm about to take my rings off. Give me some Vaseline. Oliver. Why do I have to follow her on that? This isn't my. It's <laughs> a tough, <laughs> tough game to follow. Um, I do not have anything quite as, uh, you know, ebullient. I just want to say that, I mean, I think my favorite moment is the opening to Do You Remember? But because I've already talked about it three different times now, I'm going to go with my 1B choice, which is on its love. And it's when the full band jumps in around the 110 mark. Because up until that point, this song just has this gorgeously slow build. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, the band's going to come in, like, you know, it's going to come in. And so it's that, that atmosphere of anticipation. And when it delivers chef's kiss. Shout out to the horn section because I did not. I expected the drums and expected the bass. I was not expecting the horns, and that was just like a cherry on top of this beautiful frosting that this that song delivers. So, my favorite moment there. This question does not come up every single time, but again, because this is one of an album that is very near and dear to you. If you had to place a song off of this LP, which one would you pick and why? Have you ever placed a Jill Scott song? I have not placed a Jill okay. Scott song. Okay. Um, I'm so emo. 
I, I think that I would probably place I think it's better. Mm. Um, it's short and sweet, like me. It's uh, a <laughs> minute, a minute and uh, 42 seconds. And it just says a lot without taking too long. So other music supervisors out there, just let me have this one. Let me have this one. Play something else, but that would be my one. I think it's better. I love that song, and that's the one I would probably place. I think it's better that I tell you now. He's so sweet and good, good. Yola, if you had to describe this album, Who is Jill Scott, in three words, what would they be? I feel like agency is something that comes to mind in a really profound way for me. Um, and maybe most obviously, when she's introducing herself, she's like, these are my influences, these are my influences, and love. So love, you can't avoid that word. I Agency in love. That's what I would say. Show your love, ladies and gentlemen. Show your love for Miss Jill Scott, representing Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Well, before we bounce, we always want to leave our audience members with some other listening recommendations. So if you enjoyed Who Is Jill Scott, we have some suggestions for what else you should add to your five CD changer. Uh, Morgan, let's start with you. Oh, I'd say go back to 1999 and an album called Black Butterfly. And the artist's name was Granique, is Granique. Um, she only had that one album released on Motown. It is quintessential neo-soul. It's beautiful. Start with her cover of Heatwave, Star of the Story. And if you can get out of that without mm. being completely broken down, keep going. about you adriana evans self-titled debut from 1997 this is just one of my absolute favorite i think underrated slept on albums from that era Uh, it's one of my favorite from the 90s her collaborator back then was rapper and producer dred scott who i think did all the tracks on here and between her singing and his production i just think this whole lp is top tier sunday listening Yola, take us out of here. What would you recommend our audience check out after Who is Jill Scott? Well, um, because of the range of artistry that I feel on this record, this idea, grand ideas, small ideas, I'd be pushing you towards the ground with Welcome to My Garden by Minnie Ripperton. Oh. Yeah. Because after this, you need a full... You need to just be going deeper. This is like, this has tenderized you. It's left you very open. 
Indeed. You're not closed after this record. You're open after this record. You're trepanning after this record. And so the perfect state it'll put you in is for you to receive the excessive lushness of Welcome to My Garden. The production will blow your tiny mind. We know Minnie Ripperton's range is out of control crazy. She's been doing all of those um dolphin notes way before Mariah was. And but it's all like everything has this playfulness about it. Will you will somebody wear me to the fair? I'm like, and it starts just so like light, and then it just gathers and it gathers and it gathers and then you're like oh it's coming and like there's so much delicacy and so much drama and it's like the one doesn't have to give way to the other and I love I love the agency within Minnie Ripperton's aesthetic journey and like she's probably my, one of my biggest heroes and influences and like if you're ever in a state of being truly open and in the wonder of life and nature Listen to Welcome to My Garden. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Yola. Let us know what you're working on now. I have a record coming out on July 30. Um, It's called Stand For Myself. Um, Clearly, I am still ruminating on some of the things we've been talking about because I'm I'm dicing with um, the idea of being this token, this isolated black girl and what you do to minimize yourself and then the journey out of that. And I touch on all of these moments where I feel I, I'm reaching towards tenderness. And so, yeah, like goodness, like I feel like we've come full circle. <laughs> One last plug that we wanted to make is if you have not yet had a chance to check out the incredible documentary Summer of Soul, we absolutely recommend you do. It's on Hulu now, and I do think it has appeared at least in some theaters around the country, but it is just an amazing document of the Harlem Cultural Festival from 1969, which was one of the most important music festivals that most of us have never heard of for reasons that the doc gets into. It was executive produced by Quest Love, but also produced by Joseph Patel, who you all might remember was one of our guests a couple years back talking about Gangstar's Hard to Earn. Could not be more proud of Joseph's work on this, and it is just a phenomenal documentary with incredible musical performances by everyone from Mahalia Jackson to Stevie Winder to Ray Barreto and many, many more. It's a document of a time, of a community, of a history. Summer of Soul, Please check it out again on Hulu or look in your local theaters. We could not give it a higher recommendation. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One. 
of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.